Hey, friends of the pod, um, we have a special event called The Pull-Up. It's a back-to-school drive starting June 7th and lasting to July 31st. We're trying to get as much, as much school supplies as we can to fill 200 book bag grocery stuff for kids K through 8. Um, we want to give them a great school year, even though 2020 has been a little rough, needs to say. So if you want to donate, please reach out to me directly. Or if you want to donate, you can also use the cash app, dollar sign help kids learn. That's dollar sign help kids learn. More information, you can reach out to the email genius at trulygenius.co. That's genius at trulygenius.co. For more information, thanks again. Please give, donate, donate, donate. And love, peace, and chicken grease. Welcome to Drew versus the World. This is Drew vs. the World, a podcast about living, loving, laughing, getting inspiration through information. Today we have the wonderful and powerful Joe on the line. I am not going to even attempt to try to say your last name. <laughs> I was going to like actually be in, in like the preamble, but I was like, let me just <laughs> see how he does himself. Hey Joe, how you doing? I'm good, man. <laughs> yeah, my last name is Selecki. Sometimes I get Selecki. like Seleski uh, and stuff, and I think probably mm-hmm. uh, I'm like grandfather's side of the family came over it was probably probably Selesky. they probably they're polish so probably they mm-hmm. probably were and then they got to ellis island like oh here's a hard r for you or a hard k so you know make it nice and solid name exactly so uh now it's Selecky. i get i get both i answer just about anything so it doesn't matter <laughs> um it's funny though when when you hear about those uh ellis island um like people were definitely like Jewish people. They would have a, like a 16 syllable um, last name and it would be like, okay, now your last name is Brown. And yeah. Like, <laughs> so my, like, my mom's grandfather, uh, mm-hmm. I can't remember which one. One came over as a toddler and then his, either his wife was born on the way over. I can't remember. They came on a ship and yeah. uh, he was Silverio Paul and he went to school and they're like, yeah, you're Sam Brianza now. What? Like Sam. That's not even like an Italian name, you know? And uh my great grandmother was Genevieve, and they're like, ah, oh, you're Jenny. That's close enough, you know? <laughs> just wild, dude. I couldn't imagine living during that time. Just we're very lucky we live now. Yes. Yes. So I, I it's not the best, but it's not definitely, definitely not the worst. For sure. <laughs> um Okay, um, so the first part of the podcast is the new part that I've been, I didn't um, explain in preamble because I wanted to be surprised to everybody, but it's called the quarantine check-in. Um, so I'm going to ask a couple of questions related to the quarantine, and the first thing that comes to your head, again, we just, just let, it, let it fly. Um, can you give me one word that would describe... Um, your quarantine or pandemic like days? Yeah, I'd say recentered. Mm-hmm. Um, for with what with what I do, especially like being you know a professional fighter and all that. Um, I travel a lot. Um, between here Wilmington where I live, and then to Myrtle Beach to box with my boxing coach, and then to Charlotte to train at Jim O every week. Um, up in Gastonia, so we're spread out all over the place. So it's kind of been. As much as I miss going to those places, it's been nice to be home with my wife and, uh, you know, my team here and just by kind of having time to refocus and just get real narrowed in instead of being always on the go. So, uh, you know, quarantine's not ideal, but it's been nice for me at least to be able to, you know, I was going like crazy for months and months and months since last July and uh, kind of had a good excuse to stay home now and train and then just be home. So it's kind of kind of nice. A gift and a curse. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So what what has anything changed with your your regimen your workout regimen your um your kind of your lifestyle as far as being a professional fighter um like because of quarantine yes yeah um a little bit because we you can't really train uh day and night 
we're training still day and night, but we can't go to like our normal routine. So I've had to go to my strength and conditioning gym a little more. It's private. Uh, we only do like one client, two clients at a time. My coach does. So we're still, we haven't had an issue there. Um, whereas if we wanted to go wrestle or, or do our boxing or kickboxing during the day, um, we're in like an industrial park and we've actually had one of the places called police on us a couple of times when it's only a few of us that do this for a living training. So it's kind of wild, but, um, we're still able to get all our sessions in. We're just maybe not spacing it out the same. So, um, but we've been a lot luckier than a lot of places. A lot of places you really can't even go to your anything, you know? Um, I know it's our job, so we're able to get in the gym a little bit, but even then a lot of places in New York and stuff, guys have been stuck to just lifting weights in their basement. You know, they can't go hit pads or box or kickbox, whatever. Um, so a little different, but we're luckier than a lot of places. We're probably more prepared. The guys that train out of small States like this than, yes. than anywhere else. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's always mom and pop shops. You can like narrow find a way. To. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, Hey, we're going to, you know, go on this farm. Yeah. <laughs> and the yep. farm and like, the the government is not going to mandate the farm have six feet away policy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and has, what have you learned during the quarantine that you think you will take out into after the quarantine? That's actually a really good question. Um, I mean, I think a lot of people have learned that like, they don't like being at home, you know, like their mm -hmm. home life. I already knew I liked my home life. I always missed it. <laughs> But I think I realized how much how much I actually miss it when I'm gone, you know, like just being able to come home and see my wife every single day, you know, and uh, it's been really, really nice being with my dogs every single day. Like I start to miss that when I go away for training camp and stuff, but you almost take it for granted. You know, you don't realize how much you love your everyday life. Like if everything ended tomorrow, as much as I don't want it to, you know, my career and all that. Well, I still take solace in the fact that I have a, a fantastic home to go to with my wife and, um, you know, we have a daughter on the way and all that. So uh, just really enjoying kind of the life we've made for ourselves, which I think sometimes, especially when we're like, you know, younger, we don't get times to just stop and rest and see that. So as much as it stunk and I'm ready for it to be over, it was, uh, it was good to kind of have that time together before the baby comes. So it's been pretty nice. You know, all I do is train and then hang out with my wife. So it's kind of been cool. That's dope. Yeah. It's been all right. Yeah. So are you following anybody on like social media or in just in general, like a celebrity? That's kind of like getting you through this quarantine time. Um, no, not particularly. I did watch the uh, that John Krasinski had that like some good news show or whatever. So good. I thought, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, that was cool. Mm -hmm. I watched the one where they did like the Office recap or rerun. You know, the wedding. The wedding. Um, that was cool. I'm a big Office fan. I like that. And then I actually like the barstool guy. He's just funny. He puts up a lot of his pizza reviews. Like I don't get to eat a lot of pizza, but I like I like watching his. He's doing the frozen ones now, so mm -hmm. he's pretty funny. I, I I like it. Um, that's pretty much been it, but. Um, it's just funny to see like when people like that are forced to be, you know, homebodies like the rest of us, it's kind of fun to, you know, you do feel like you're all kind of similar at that point. Yeah. And it's, that's a great, 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 like viewpoint of this. It's like, everybody kind of has to do this. I don't care if you're making a billion dollars yep. maybe to like maybe 20, $20 an hour or whatever. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter. You have to stay home. And the one big thing that I saw, I don't know if you watched uh, the Disney um, sing-along. No. It was, it was like, you know, Beyonce was on there, Ariana Grande, and they were home. They are like, you, wow. you guys can't leave either. Like, these big stars kind of, like, secluded. Just, it brought everybody to a level playing field, in somewhat, some aspect. Because their house looked better than yeah. ours. Yeah. <laughs> but still, they were home. <laughs> yep, for sure. 100%. Um, and that is the quarantine check-in. Um, so what we alluded to is that you, Joe, are a um, mixed martial artist. Um, you are right now, I believe, signed with UFC um, mm -hmm. as a fighter. Um, you have a, a black belt in Brazilian, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, and you, you, they put you as classified as a boxer. Um, oh. as your fighting style i'm sorry uh <laughs> fine with me that's that's a compliment i'll take it <laughs> um and um you have an eight to eight and two record so far nine in and two now yeah nine and two okay yeah yep. yeah yeah you just had mm -hmm. a fight um so first and foremost what the hell man why are you like getting hit in the head <laughs> yeah it's crazy it's, it's so funny because like uh i mean i'm 
I'm not like a, I'm not an aggressive person. At all. I've never been in a real fight in my life that I haven't been, that hasn't been sanctioned by an athletic commission, you know? Oh, wow. Um, I, I hate confrontation, but, uh, so it's not that, you know, it's just like this weird, I started jujitsu when I was a kid, you know, kind of by accident. Like, uh, I always tell the story, like my, my brother was playing baseball. He's a little older. He's like five or six years older than me, five and a half years. And, uh, he wasn't getting playing time. We moved to a new town and I think he just stunk at sports, but my, my mom says, you know, new town politics, you know, everybody was already on the team. So they wanted to put him in something individual. I was only four. So I wanted to do karate because of the power Rangers, the original mm-hmm. ones, the cool ones, the mighty Morphin. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, yeah. Cause Tommy and Jason on there did power, mm-hmm. did karate. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, well, we'll send your brother. And then when you go to school and you can start actual activities, we'll send you if he likes it, you know? They sent him, and then uh, that's 1999, so a couple years after the first UFC, it was 93, but it had just started catching fire, and jiu-jitsu was like the thing, you know, the, the big guy beats the little guy grappling, and uh, they switched the whole school over to that, so by the time I started, it was jiu-jitsu, and I just, I fell in love with it. I was absolutely awful, and I tell everybody that all the time, <laughs> and uh, I maybe won three to five matches in 15 years, like not even being, you know, from, uh, from six to 16, 17, I was terrible. And I think that's probably what happened was all the people I look up to looked up to were like fighters and athletes and I could not make make it work for me, you know. So I think it was like I've heard this quote a long time ago that I always kinda, you know, uh registered with was like rejection breeds obsession, right? So if you're constantly mm-hmm. terrible at something but you love it, it's only gonna make you more obsessed. And I think that's kind of what it was for me, was like I'm so, so bad at this, but if I could just be good, I'll get the, you know, the attention from the instructor or whatever it was. You know, I had, I had a great instructor growing up, John Hassett, um, who I was still really, really close with now. I still consider him my instructor, even though he's in New Jersey. Um, so it wasn't that, but it was just like, oh, I want to make these people proud. I want everybody to think that I'm the guy that can win the, you know, and, and it just, it just carried on and on and on. And um, life's weird, man. Like I wasn't pursuing fighting at the time. I was pursuing jiu-jitsu competitively, which you're not yep. getting punched in the face. Um, <laughs> with the goal of one day maybe fighting and seeing what you know, it was always on the my dream, but I kind of put it off. I was going to college and just some things happened where it made it impossible not to fight. So it, it was almost like you can hide from what you're supposed to do in life, but eventually it's gonna come find you. I do feel like that, you know. Um so it's just kind of been wild. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And really getting punched isn't as bad as 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 it sounds, you know, like <laughs> With adrenaline, it's really not bad at all when you're in the cage on fight night. But even training, it's it's not a great time, but it's not bad. You know, it's, there's a lot worse things. I'd rather get punched than uh, get like a needle at the doctor or something. I'm terrified of those. So it's really? not that bad. Yeah, <laughs> it really doesn't hurt. Just a thud. Wow. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, I'm in right now. I'm taking Brazilian jiu-jitsu um, and super white belt. This is like before the quarantine. My New Year's resolution was literally to start going like a full time because last year I was just doing, you know, a week of classes there, a week of classes there, a week of classes there, a week of classes there. <laughs> really not really getting a full discipline in it. Mm-hmm. But then I finally found the place I wanted to go. Um, shout out to ECF up here in Charlotte. Um, and I was on my way there and I set everything up. I was like a week before I was about to like start my whole, I got the gi and everything. I was like, I'm going to do this. I have, this is where I'm going to drop everybody off. Like I had a whole game plan. Then this hit and it was like, shit. Yeah. Just derails everything. My brother was, my brother started training before me, but he, uh, Mm -hmm. he took some time off in college and stuff. Same thing. Just started getting back into routine. He's a brown belt. I'm like, Oh man, like, couple years you're gonna wear your black belt like oh it's gonna be awesome and then this hits and same thing they're doing like zoom classes and stuff but yeah but it's, it's just not, not the same, same. No. no the camaraderie is the the best thing i can feel it's just like this guy he's massive he's like 270 like giant <laughs> just the nicest like bear like just the nicest person <laughs> i ever met in my life i'm like you can kill anybody in here, but you're just so sweet and so nice. I was like, <laughs> you're a great, you're a great person. And he has like his daughter and she's just like in pigtails and she's so small and he just melts to her. <laughs> like That's awesome. Everything, everything she does, he's like, oh, okay. I'm like, like, wow, she runs you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's crazy with jiu-jitsu, man. You get the, I don't know if it's cause we're just on like this adrenaline high after training and you mm-hmm. know, your fight or flight kicks in because you're being strangled and stuff, but you almost open up to those people more than you do to regular people elsewhere. It's cool. You get these real tight bonds, especially if you go to like a tournament together or a fight or Mm -hmm. you're in the trenches, then you're like, even if you don't see that person ever again, they'll see you're like bonded for life. It's real goofy, but it's awesome. It's, I wish everybody could experience that in some way, shape or form. Obviously it's not possible, but, um, (laughs) 
it, it almost gives you more meaning to everything you do when you have that kind of bond with people. Then you don't want to do like the superficial bonds. You want to get to know people, you know? Exactly. I mean, that's the perfect time to get to know people. Technically, mm-hmm. the most intimate you have other than, you know, your significant other. Like yeah. you're literally on top of that person for hours out of, out of a yeah. time. hundred percent. In a week. <laughs> um, and one of my OGs, um, you, you probably know him. I don't know if you know him, Joe Rogan, whatever. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but he um, he said that it's like um, it's strategic, it's problem solving. It's like um, problem solving in dire consequences. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so that's what I love about it too. Is like playing chess. It's like putting all the pieces together. Um, but as far as your your amateur, like moving from an amateur to actually getting a fight UFC, kind of tell me a little bit about that like strategy of like how did you get from you know fighting literally in like you said in the trenches to being on a, on a card yeah um i man honestly like the way i put it is like i worked really really hard but had a ton of luck because without luck and people don't like to hear that you know because people like to and mostly it's people close to me will be like oh like don't say that you did this mm-hmm. or that but there's so many other people out there pursuing this one thing you know it takes the stars aligning and, and, and good luck but um it never goes, some people, maybe it does, but for, for me, I always set a plan and it never goes that way. I got to have a plan. I have to have a plan before I do something just so it can go out the window completely because it never goes that way. You know, <laughs> I, I started out, I was a jitsu brown belt, but I was winning like a lot of, uh, decent tournaments, you know, beating plenty of black belts and things. And, uh, was kind of pursuing that, you know, I wanted to compete at the highest level of black belt and then fighting became a realistic possibility in my life. So I followed it and, um, five fights, five quick submissions, all first round in my amateur career. Mm done you know down here in north carolina or south i was in south at the time i think you needed five uh amateur fights with an 80 percent win rate to go pro so i was like oh done cool less than a year that's what i wanted i wanted to go pro within one year i wrote that down put it on my wall i missed it by like six days just because the way the events lined up but roughly (laughs) a year you know Mm -hmm. um like awesome then i had three pro fights almost all within uh i mean i I made my pro debut october uh, 2016 and then had three fights by February. So it was real quick. 3-0, three first-round submissions again. I'm like, oh, nice. man, UFC, Bellator. I'm going to be fielding these offers. It's going to be great. <laughs> and then I ran into somebody that just wasn't going to get submitted in the first round, you know? Did everything right. Took him down, uh, prepared as hard as I could. Took him down, had his back, had the full lock choke on, like gurgling, everything, and just didn't tap, didn't go to sleep. Survived it. Came out in the second round. I was in the best shape of my life. Didn't matter, you know, adrenaline dump. So now my arms and legs don't work. And here I am getting, you know, punch kicked, elbowed, need everything for the next two rounds. And, you know, I'm very lucky I wasn't finished and I, I take pride in that, but it was a nightmare. You know, we got like fight of the year for that promotion, <laughs> CFFC or whatever, but it didn't mean anything. I lost. So in my mind, I'm going three and one, very few guys at lightweights, one of the probably most stacked divisions in the world. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, you got to go 10 and 0, 11 and 0 to get signed to the UFC. My dreams are done. You know, that's what I thought. Um, but whatever I said, if I can keep it to one loss, I can probably still salvage this and get signed within a year, two years, three years. Um, I come back, to, I lived in Myrtle Beach at the time, and I came back and fought my next fight in Myrtle Beach. All those fights before that, as a pro, I've been at CFFC. It's a really good regional promotion. Um, I'd say it's probably them and like two or three other, like them, Island Fights, and a couple other places in the country where, you know, if you win a belt there or you're a top guy there, you're probably going to get signed. Um, came back to Myrtle Beach and fought in my hometown against a guy that wasn't that wasn't very good at all. It was like below 500 record and um, just kind of like a comeback fight to get back on the horse. Um, I won that pretty quickly. I was four and one. I'm like, awesome. Yep. Um, then I met John Salter. So he trains with me at Jimmo now. We both go up there together, but he's my coach in Wilmington here. Um, world-class black belt, national champion wrestler when he was in college, fought in the UFC, mm-hmm. currently number one contender in Bellator. So just... And Oma, you know, he's, I think he's 35. So he's, you know, seven, eight, nine years older than me. So somebody I could like kind of look up to. I didn't really have that figure in MMA. All I had seen from MMA at that time was like failure. So I'm like, oh, you have a couple fights, you win some, you lose some, then you take a job for somebody teaching for $20 a class and that's your life. You know, it's kind of scary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not that that's bad, but it, you know, it was just scary. Um, met him and I was like, wow, like you can be successful. You can have a nice life. You can have a wife and a house and all these things. So um, started driving to train here in Wilmington from Myrtle Beach after I get off work and everything. First fight camp with him, I went up to CFFC again uh, and I won again, first round submissions. I'm five and one. I'm like, awesome. We make the decision to move to uh, Raleigh, uh, to Wilmington, North Carolina. And my wife and I'm like, look, I'm going to take a shot at this. I think I can do it. I talked to him about it, blah, blah, blah. We move here. Awesome. Have a great camp. First camp. 
best I've been at that point in time. I go out, fight the best two rounds of my career. Best opponent I've ever had. You're like, dude, this is a movie. We go into the third <laughs> round. Same thing, like an adrenaline dump. Because I was like, oh, I'm getting a little tired. I shoot in for a takedown. I don't get it. And there's four minutes left. My feet were stuck in the mud. He walks me down. I get knocked out. Five and two. So now, you know, I try and have a good face in the locker room and all that. And then we go back to the hotel room. Uh, and I'm, you know, sitting in the bathroom. And I just kind of like bent down for a minute. And my wife comes in and we're just like crying. We moved our whole life here, you know. Um, we didn't really have much or anything. Mm. And we're like, oh, now what happens? Now th- this plan's done. You know, five and two. You're like, I'm going to have to win 10 more fights before I can get signed. Um, so it, it is what it is. We come back. That was July, July 21st, 2018. Um, my next fight was going to be in November. We like figured out down the lines. So like, okay, here we go. Um, CFFC wouldn't really have me because uh, they just didn't want me for my record. So I, I'm, you know, I sold I sold decent tickets up there because I am from yeah. New Jersey, but not not the levels for having a five and two. You know, if you're not going to be undefeated there and, and bring them attention from the UFC, then it's probably not worth their while. And I get that. Yeah, it wasn't a okay. Um, so. There's another promotion up there called Ring of Combat. Another great promotion. They have 129 or 130 now UFC veterans have come out of there. So it's just great promotion. One of the top ones in the country. But you fight for ticket commission. You don't fight for a purse. So I went up and I fought for 40% ticket commission. Well, I'm coming off a loss. I've already fought up in New Jersey recently. Um, And it's the holidays. You know, it's right before Thanksgiving. So I sold like 20 tickets. I walk, you know, I, I go in. I win in the first round submission. I drive home. By the time I get home, that money's gone. It's like yeah. $450, you know, nothing. <laughs> yeah. um, then it's Christmas time. And, and this is probably the lowest point in my entire career is even after a win, Christmas came and went and I had to buy like five gifts. I remember because we do like with my family, we did just did bring one gift and then we do like a white elephant type thing. Or, yep. Yep. Um, and then my wife, you know, we had four people to buy for. And I was literally selling things to buy Christmas gifts, you know, anything I had, like old DVDs, 50 cents a pot, like literally everything at the pawn shop, like, like a drug addict or something. You're like, yeah. gosh, like this is insane. You know, like, and you just humiliate it. Cause you're like, man, like I can't provide better than this. So, um, Christmas comes and goes, I get another fight. I win that fight, go to a decision, finally redeem myself, go in three rounds and win a decision against a tough guy. Uh, you know, didn't, didn't fade bad in the third round or at least mm-hmm. not enough to lose, like still won the round. Um, and then I get a call and they're doing the contender series. So the contender series is when they bring in, they bring in guys from around the country. Mm -hmm. And I think this is where being part of a smaller management company at the time was probably a benefit to me was instead of going, they didn't have a guy that was 10 and 0, 11 and 0. I was really one of the only lightweights there. So when the matchmakers asked for the list of guys that could do it, you know, my name was on the list. And, um, the funny part is the backstory. I didn't know that at the time, the guy that was putting my name in the hat told the matchmaker, I could probably use a few more fights before getting that opportunity, <laughs> which is, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is crazy. Cause I'm trying to feed my family, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, like- but it's all good. So then uh, I get the opportunity and it was just insane. We, you know, 12 weeks or 14 weeks to prepare just the worst, the best camp in my life, but just the worst because I know this is it. You know, if you get three losses, it's pretty much going to be it. I'm not going to get another shot for a long time. Pooper, get off the pot, you know, and uh, Mm -hmm. just the most, it was hard to, you know, I try to always enjoy the journey because that's part of the the memories and stuff. It was like, just get me to fight night, get me there. Let me see. I need to know if I'm going to do this or not, you know? Um, So we do a great camp. We come to Charlotte. That's when I started really using um, Jim O in Gastonia as like our, our, um, main camp for MMA, you know, so I train at, uh, Salt and Dog Jiu-Jitsu in Moynton, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And then I go box and spar and, uh, train at Fitness Edge MMA where I used to train full-time in Myrtle Beach and I still go there. And then we come up and Jeff Jimmo and all the guys at Jimmo in Gastonia have just been phenomenal. He's our head coach. And, um, it was like working with a genius. You're like, wow, like this is what a MMA camp is like. So, um, all of that combined, we went out to Vegas and, and we got the win in the first round. I was able to put the guy to sleep, um, which I think just made like a little dramatic effect that he yeah. didn't tap. It made it for better, you know, because <laughs> mm-hmm. they're only giving contracts away based on Dana's opinion and the matchmakers. So mm-hmm. uh, it was just a perfect storm and just, man, just luck. It was luck that they saw my name on the list and wanted to ask for a, a couple more videos of me fighting. It was luck that everything went the way it was. It was maybe lucky that I had the opponent that I had that wanted to grapple and I'm a grappler, you know, <laughs> it's just the perfect chance of luck. So, um, I was lucky enough where I, I was offered the contract and now I get to fight for the UFC for the time being. And, you know, now it's my job to, to keep my job, you know, to keep yeah. winning and keep staying ready and hopefully keep getting better and just keep showing that I belong here. But, 
Um, it was just amazing that night because along that journey, you know, it was maybe a little long winded, but um, along that journey, there's so many people saying you're crazy or saying, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're, it's almost like going to Hollywood to be an actor. You know, you yes. don't know what they're looking for. You have to, it's not like the NFL where you're getting scouted since high school and you're on a trajectory. Mm-hmm. There is no trajectory. You're waiting for the opportunity. And then when you get the audition, can you nail it? You know, so um, people are saying you're crazy. And then you start to think like, oh, am I crazy? Like I'm selling things on Christmas Eve to buy Christmas gifts. Like maybe I am crazy. Maybe this is going too far, you know? And mm-hmm. um, it's just, it's just absolutely nuts. So it was just a big relief to be like, okay, I'm here now. Now I'll have those three letters. I could never win a UFC fight, but I got here. I proved I wasn't yeah. nuts. And then I fought in December and I was able to get a win against a really tough veteran. And, uh, it's just been awesome, man. Just a uh, just a blessing of a year, and uh, just crazy. Because me and my wife were saying, if quarantine hit, you know, now we live like normal adults with jobs. You know, if quarantine yeah. hit this time last year, we we're literally moving back into the guest room that we started in, in her mom's house. You know, we started in one room with me, her, and our dog, and worked our way to a crappy apartment in town. Then we moved <laughs> to another city in a in a two bedroom crappy apartment. Then mm-hmm. we moved to a, you know. If it wasn't, it wouldn't have been that way. We would have been borrowing money to get a U-Haul if this was last year. You know, it's just yeah. kind of crazy to think about. Um, I would do it all again, not knowing the outcome, but I think it'd be twice as hard because you just see you, now that I'm, I'm only a couple years older than when I started, but you're like, man, like that was not responsible. That was crazy. But you got to do those things. Right. So it was just, it's just been a wild, wild journey and no one's journey is the same in this sport. Cause there's so many mm-hmm. ways you can go. But, uh, Mine's something I cherish because I'll be able to, no matter what happens from here on out, I'll be able to look at my kid one day and whatever they're going through and, you know, be able to give them some kind of, I've been there, done that. I went through some uncertainty or pursued something, whether she's going to start a business or go to college, whatever it might be. I can at least speak from experience of, you know, you got to take a leap of faith sometimes. And um, it's just good to know it works out sometimes because oof, I was losing hope for sure. <laughs> so what, what was that other than winning your fights? What was one thing that you kind of pushed you forward? Like one day when you're just like, you know, like this shit's not happening. It's not, <laughs> it's not, it's never happened. What's one thing that you kind of like went back to? Maybe a saying, maybe a phrase, or maybe somebody that you went back to mentally that kind of pushed you forward and made you keep on working? Yeah. Um, I think it's a combination of a couple of things. You know, I'm a little nutty in the sense that like, um, I take things personal sometimes, you know? So I'll make like, I'll, I'll remember things that people said to me of, you're never going to make it or whatever it might be like that. And that drives me, but those are negative. So I try to stay away from them too much, but I think about them when I need to. But, uh, the biggest thing I think was just my wife and her blind support. Cause I'd be losing a fight, I'd lose a fight. And then like, what are we going to do now? And she'd be like, what do you mean? What are we going to do? You're going to go back. You're going to win. You're not going to lose two in a row. That doesn't happen. You know? <laughs> and it was just this confidence of these people like that. And there's a few of them that come to mind, you know? Uh, once I moved to Wilmington, John Salter has been huge. Like I said, I didn't have anybody to, to look to that was successful in MMA to the degree that I wanted to be successful, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, he's the success story for me that I got to see and go, Oh, wow. You can be a, a high level MMA fighter, have a great life, have a great faith, have a great family, you know, and all those things. Um, the most recent camp was Jeff Jimmo, you know, having huge, huge, um, confidence in me. I would doubt about fighting a guy with 17 fights in the UFC. And he'd be like, you're re-, You know, he would just tell me how ready I was. But before all this, when it was going really tough, it has been my wife, you know, it was, it was tremendous having her. And then, uh, also my boxing coach has been huge. Uh, he's a two time leukemia survivor, bone marrow transplant survivor, like just crazy life. And, um, you know, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to look at those people and then stop. Mm-hmm. When you're like, this guy's putting his faith in me, coming to hold pads for me when, you know, I hate to tell you, but 10% of nothing is nothing, you know? So we, yeah. we, there's, <laughs> there's no money in coaching a, a guy that's a nobody that's not making any money. And, and when you're doing that for two, three, four years, I owe it to you to see this through, you know? And yeah. um, watching that guy hop, you know, my, my boxing coach wears braces on his ankles all the way up to his knee. Cause he had a bone marrow transplant. His bones are super weak. Um, mm-hmm. Walking is really, really tough. Really, really tough for him. I don't know how, he, I don't know how he holds pads or boxes. It's, it's insane. Um, he could do that way better than he walks and stairs. Forget it. It's like, he, like he can't get in the cage between rounds. Cause it's gotta be too fast, you know? So Damn. Um, him getting in the car and sitting nine hours to drive to a fight in New Jersey twice, you know, uh, it's hard to stop. Go- and when he's looking at you going, look, I've been through worse. We're going to get this, you know, stay the course. It, it gets better. When when they believe in you, when you don't believe in yourself, you got to just keep doing it. You know, it's just been, 
it's been all kinds of stuff like that um, all along. And, and it's just like these people, it's like you meet these people for a reason, you know? And I think there's, you can go two ways. You can embrace it or you can ignore it. And if you ignore it, I think bad things happen. If you embrace it, I think great things happen, you know? Or most of the time, it seems like, you know, I think these people are just uh, sent to you and you got to just embrace them with open arms. And some people just give for no reason. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Exactly. The other people in my life were like that were the, my former employers in Myrtle Beach, the Gambacordas, Dr. Mike, Dr. Tori, I worked for a chiropractor's office. You know, I had no college degree, no background <laughs> in that, and was just into fitness, and they let me come work for them. They made it so I could go train. They made it so I could, nice. you know, they've made it to all my fights. Uh, I had four tickets for the Contender Series, and basically it was on a weeknight, so their office was open. So I sent a text to both of them, and I was like, look, I have one ticket. I'm sorry it's only one. You guys duke it out amongst yourselves. But one of you, I said, one of you needs to be there because one of you is the reason I'm here. And, uh, and Dr. Mike had to stay and treat patients. So Dr. Tory came mm-hmm. and, uh, it was just amazing to look at those people sitting there and my wife's there. My brother was there, one of my best friends. And then, you know, one of the best people in our lives, one of my former boss and now, you know, our just amazing family friend. You're like, wow, like, I can't believe you guys believed in me. Like you said, you let me leave work early to go train or you flew up to watch me fight my pro debut in Atlantic city, New Jersey. Like, you treated it like you were going to, like I was fighting Conor McGregor. Yeah, like they dressed up and they, they came up and they got a hook. It's just amazing, man. And stuff like that, it, on the bad days, you think of that. And then you just, how, can, how am I going to stop? You know, like I got so much love and support. And it's been amazing. It's, it's really been a combination of just great people. And then I'm just in there doing it. What, what would be your um, ideal um, match up to watch? to watch yeah watch i think i'd like to see conor mcgregor or not conor mcgregor sorry i'd like to see gsp fight conor mcgregor because i just want to see somebody else beat up conor mcgregor Mm -hmm. um but i think (laughs) i'd really like to see gsp khabib you know i don't think it's ever going to happen because it'd be a one-off they don't want him to win the belt and all that but uh if khabib beats justin gaethje which is a really really tough fight um, I think I'd like to see that because then that t- if he could beat GSP, the most well-rounded, the, you know, the wrestler that never wrestled that became an amazing wrestler and mm-hmm. has great boxing. If he can beat him, that's it. Then no one's ever going to beat him, you know, until Father Time gets him. So that's the one I'd want to see, but uh, I don't think we'll ever see it, unfortunately. No. <laughs> what What do you? So as far as your fitness and your actual like health regimen, um, I don't know if you you're able to kind of tell me how the sausage is made yeah. um but what 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 do you kind of put into your body what do you you what what's like your fish, fitness regimen that you kind of like stick to um to kind of sustain your health during yeah these, absolutely like, trial trial times yeah um i try and eat healthy all year long you know mm-hmm. um portion control comes into play a couple weeks out from the fight but other than that i really don't get too far above fight weight because I want to, A, I want to be ready to take a fight in short notice and B, I just can't imagine the road back if I got up to like, you know, in the high 80s or 90s, like mm-hmm. then the whole camp's going to be about me losing weight. I just don't want to deal with all that. You know, it's not fun. Um, so I just try and eat, like I eat a lot of uh, red meat, I eat a lot of chicken, I eat a lot of vegetables, salads. Uh, I like a lot of potatoes when I'm not like two, three weeks out from a fight. Um, just like whole foods, you know, and then I like, um, I eat like a lot of wraps and stuff. Just I just try and eat any, anything that has like chicken, a decent carb source, and then vegetables, you know, I, or, or, or red meat when I'm not too close to the fight um, is pretty much it. And then, I, you know, I'm always on the go, so I'm always eating a ton of protein bars and stuff, which probably isn't great, but after a workout, it's all good, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our fitness regimen has been awesome. The past like almost year, just under a year, we started working with um, Hudson Rose. He owns Hudson Rose Athletics in Wilmington, mm-hmm. North Carolina. Um, I found him through Instagram, which is, that just shows the crazy world we live in now. Yeah. You see everything through, like, so I, I had found sent you. him, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had sent him a message, uh, like a year prior and just right when I went to that fight where I went and, you know, fought for ticket sales as a pro, um, messaged him, was going to go meet with him. And then I chickened out. Cause I was like, I can't afford it. I can't afford to pay another coach. Like I, I can't pay to pay the coaches I have now. And, uh, I wish I would have went because we could have knowing him now he would have made it work you know but um a year went by or whatever we walked in and we walked out after talking to him for five minutes and i looked at john and i was like we either just met a crazy person or a genius and i think it's a genius you know (laughs) and uh like the first thing he said like i'll train you but i want to train you for the rest of your career and i was like i'm in like that's somebody that (laughs) like if he knows half his stuff that's a ride or die guy Mm -hmm. i need that guy on my team you know that guy is you know and uh, he's just proven to be that. So now I really don't have to think of any of the conditioning for myself, you know. Um, we go in, 
when we're not too close to a fight, right after a fight, we do like a strength phase, a lot of lifting, and we still mm-hmm. do some circuits. Now, when we're getting, you know, we're me and John are both expecting the fight sometime early to midsummer. Mm-hmm. So we're doing a lot of movement, a lot of um, like agility work, a lot of uh, medicine ball stuff, slams and sprints mm-hmm. with them and tosses and things like that. Um, he has the Kaiser machine. So it's like the cables with the Ooh, air. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we use a lot of that <laughs> functional fitness stuff. And I hate that word because sometimes you hear functional fitness and it's like you see like McGregor doing the you know, touch butt in the park, whatever they yeah. called it, but <laughs> stuff like that, you know, and then he, he just crushes us with the circuits. We do a lot of, uh, air dines, a lot of rower, and then he has the fit lights that he mixes in. So, um, I know like Dustin Poirier has been big with them. I think Ally yes. Aquinta and mm-hmm. that mixed in with the cardio is just exhausting. Cause then you're, you're trying to think when you're tired and sp- we sprint to them, we touch them and, oh man, it is, it is exhausting, but it's just so nice. And I had to plan anymore. Cause I've always been yes. super into strength and conditioning, but you always want to hope you're doing it the right way. And, um, it's just, I think this is the right way. And then now what I've added in now with the uncertainty of a camp of expecting the fight in June is I've added in like some fight simulations. So where I'm wrestling somebody and then somebody's on standby making me get back up and hit pads then wrestling again. Uh, okay. uh, been doing five, five minute rounds like that just to completely wear myself out. And that mixed in with some hard paced wrestling and sparring. I think that's, for me, it seems to be the, the key. You know, I, I felt the best I've ever felt last camp. And that was, you know, with Jeff Jimmo overseeing everything, training with the guys at Jimmo and, man you can't have an easy i mean we we drill and stuff but when you go live there is no easy session everybody in the room is just a monster so your heart rate's getting up no matter what so it's been awesome but uh those are the, that's been what's been helping me for sure do you train do you train for um uh the champions championship rounds or do you usually train train for three three rounds if um, you're expecting so, three rounds yeah it just depends like what once we, like with sparring once we're like getting close to the fight I'll just do three rounds usually because that's what mm-hmm. the fight's going to be. And I want to get that pace down of, you know, fighting five rounds, you're going to fight a way different pace than three yes. rounds typically, unless you're Tony Ferguson, you just don't get tired. But um, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> but um, typically we'll do that. But with something like a, maybe a cardio, like that up down where I know I'm going to be sprinting the whole time no matter what with the pads and wrestling, like then I'll do five rounds because I just want to get mm-hmm. more of a workout in. I want to get a 25 minute workout in instead mm-hmm. of a, a 15 minute. But if it's something with like pacing and fight timing and stuff, I usually do three fives that way it's going to be like the fight and I know the pace I can go at and we know where we're at, especially as we get closer, we kind of just narrow in the focus and treat it like a, I, I call it like dress rehearsal. You know, I want to, maybe I'm not trying to get exhausted sparring. If I do, that's fine, but I want to spar the way I'm going to fight. So, uh, I want to, you know, I want to actually win the rounds instead of trying mm-hmm. to just, you know, try new stuff or get tired. I, sometimes I'm going in to get tired, do as many takedown attempts as I can, whatever mm-hmm. it's going to be. And then sometimes you're like, all right, I'm a month out. This is, I've got six tries to get this right, eight tries to get this right. So I'm, I'm rehearsing now. Now I'm trying to treat it like I'm going to win rounds, you know? So it just depends, but usually three, I, I think maybe an extra round just to know you can, but that's all, that's all mental. I don't think physically it matters. Gotcha. Um, okay. Um, we're going to go into the next part of the podcast, which is um, called Shots Fired. <laughs> It's elevated icebreakers. It's about 15, 20 questions. Um, first thing that comes to your head, just spit it out. Cool? Cool. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Um, this is Shots Fired. What's your favorite color? Uh, black. Yeah, boring, I know. <laughs> uh, it's a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, what's your favorite sport? Uh, mixed martial arts. And then outside of that, like out of like the real, like the, you know, like the, Typical sports. I always liked basketball growing up. Um, I really don't get time to watch anything, but the last dance got me back into basketball for yeah, sure. Man, yeah, that that got me a whole different. I like. I worked for the Bobcats during college. And oh I wow! Meet, I got to meet um, Michael Jordan a couple times. That's awesome. Now, I, I was working concessions. I was working nothing too crazy, but um, he is very like stern. <laughs> to say the least yeah. but to see like why i'm like damn he went through some yeah shit. it's just like, crazy like he's a he's like super alpha male yeah um what 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 um type of music do you like uh i like a little bit of everything but mm-hmm. um i like since moving to north carolina i've honestly started to like country a little bit which is crazy because I used to, I'm from the North, but I did not listen to country at all. But now I like, like, your typical, like, uh, Eric Church, stuff like that. Me yeah. and my wife, our favorite guy is a guy named Drake White, um, good country singer. But I like everything, man. I like 90s hip hop, uh, mm-hmm. if I'm going to, like, run or something, you know. But I pretty much listen to anything except, like, I don't listen to pop music very much. 
Gotcha. No Katy Perry. Gotcha. Yeah, no Katy Perry. Uh, <laughs> um, what movie? What's your favorite movie? Rocky. Yeah, right outside Philadelphia, I was born. So that's just everybody's. Yeah, you have to have it. Yeah. Um, what movie do you hate to love? Oh man, huh? I like raw. I, I used to like a good rom com. We haven't watched one in a while, but I'm trying to think of which one. Uh, huh? That's a great question. While you were sleeping, have you ever seen that Sandra Bullock, yes, Bill Pullman? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's like my family, like all of us, men, women, like growing up, like that was our <laughs> movie. We liked that movie. As we quote it, we laugh at it. And we think about it, it's a pretty grilling movie. So yeah, it's yeah. Me and my wife watch that like every Christmas time for sure. <laughs> um, one place do you want to visit that you haven't yet? Uh, I really want to go to. Is it? Uh, I want to go. I think it's Bora Bora. I don't know why. I've seen a picture of the huts on the ocean, like in the ocean mm-hmm. as a kid. And ever since I wanted to go there. It's dope. I, mine's is Fiji. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, would you prefer to travel forward in time or back in time? Oh man. Back. I don't want to go forward. I want to, I like the, uns- I think I like the uncertainty. It keeps you hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, who's your celebrity crush? Uh, I don't know, man. I don't think I have one. Okay. I feel like when you get married, you give that up, you know? <laughs> you know, you got to keep it like, <laughs> this isn't going to end well for any of us. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Good job, sir. <laughs> um, who's your favorite artist? And not talking about a musical artist. It, it doesn't have to just be a musical artist. I'm going to preface it by saying it could be like anybody whose art inspires emotion so it could be a dancer it could be a singer it actually could be a martial artist you know anybody who art inspires emotion who would you say is your favorite i really went through a phase where i liked reading like tupac's like i liked all his songs obviously i still do i like Mm -hmm. read a lot of like his little short poems yes and i was like man i didn't realize this like i knew he acted some you know but i didn't know how deep it went i was like i don't like poetry i like his like (laughs) i I think i think that's pretty impressive when like because like today's day and age it might be a little more rare with like some of the Sometimes you just auto-tune stuff and it's just a song, you know? But back then, like, you, like, it was incredible, you know? See, like, they went to school for this. They were writing. They were, you know, writing poetry. So I think that was pretty cool. Um, and actually, art, art, I liked Van Gogh. I mean, that's pretty typical, I guess. My sister's an artist. So she'd always, like, take me to art museums and stuff as a kid. And I actually got super into it. And uh, I always liked Van Gogh. We got to see his exhibit in Philly when I was a kid. It was pretty cool. So um, what song would you... Uh, would be played on a loop in hell for you man probably something by joe exotic <laughs> yeah i feel like that's just a nightmare it's cool once and then you hear it for an hour and you're like oh this is this is hell yeah yeah that, that, that should hit though yeah for sure <laughs> um who would you change places with for one day hmm I think I want to trade pla- trade places with my opponent during camp, so I can see what he's going through and see if it's as see if it's the same thing, you know. Because other than that, I'm pretty content. Like I don't want to be anybody else, but I think that'd be pretty cool to see see what he's doing. Get a little uh, intel. Nice. Um, what would be the name of your autobiography? Uh, oh, we have a good uh, joke for this because it's the overlooked. My teammates, my coaches, we all laugh all the time because like. They'll, they'll be like, dude, you're the most overlooked fighter slash person. Like, people will come up to me like, oh, do you have a job yet? Or something like that, like, all the time. Or they'll be like, oh, dude, like, one day, your jiu-jitsu is going to be good. Or, like, if I get a compliment, like, yesterday, a guy was trying to tell me my wrestling was getting better. It's like, man, when I came, when Joe first started coming around, I wasn't worried about him one bit grappling me. Now he takes me down at will. I'm like, well, that's a great compliment. That's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? So I'm going to say overlooked. If I ever write a book one day, it's going to be called overlooked. Yeah, that's what we call a backhanded compliment. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, if you, um, who would you be handcuffed or could you be handcuffed for a month? I think quarantine proved my wife and I would be fine. I think okay. we'd, be, we'd be just fine. Yeah, I think we'd probably be laughing the whole time. You are adding a lot of brownie points i'm just gonna send yeah. you this we bicker a, a lot too but yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> we bicker a lot but mm-hmm. uh i mean even if you fought you got to sort it out because you're stuck there so exactly um if you had a talk show who would be your first guest dead or alive Ooh. and what would be the first question you ask them i think it's got to be jim braddock the cinderella man 
He did mm. a little bit of everything. So I just want I just want man tips from that guy. He like fought in World War II, built the Veranzano Bridge, world champion, family man. I just want I'm just like uh, man tips. Go ahead, give them. I'm I'm ready. <laughs> um, um, what's one superpower you want to have? Oh, that's a good. Oh man, I never honestly I never thought about that. Uh, I think uh, I think I want to be a super genius. Okay. I mean, then you, like you're Tony Stark, you can make anything, and then you can, you know, he he should have been dead before the first movie. Oh yeah, easily. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. What is one some of your guilty? What is one of your guilty pleasures? Ooh, Nutella. <sighs> That's so good. Yeah, by the spoonful, <laughs> man. Even in camp, I gotta sneak some. Mm, so good. <laughs> um. Last, but my favorite question: What is your death row meal? Last meal Ooh. on earth. I need an app. I need an entree, and I need dessert. Perfect. Not all from the same place. Just food. No, just food. Okay, perfect. Okay. Uh, the appetizer, we got to go with, there's these bang bang shrimp at our sushi place. Mm. It's just piled high, and they're just, not like the, they're like the mini shrimp. Oh, they're so good. Yeah. I got to go with that. Um, the meal, man, that's a tough one. I love a good steak, but this is death row, you know? <laughs> I got to say, I got I to gotta go with the Stereotypical Ruth's Chris steak. You can't go wrong Mm-mm. with a sweet potato, a little bit of butter. Boom. Maybe the brown sugar. We're going, we're, you know, we're dying here. So, <laughs> uh, and then dessert, I've got to go. I'm, I'm so boring, man. I'm going to go with just a plain vanilla ice cream. Yeah. A, a good, Keep it simple. A, yeah. A good vanilla ice cream will change your day. Well, change mm-hmm. your night. Hopefully you're not eating it. If it's good enough, morning. it doesn't need anything else. Exactly. It's just like smooth you ever, you ever had jenny's ice cream no but i've heard about it yes i've heard it's phenomenal bro mm-hmm. <laughs> that and a nice briar's ice cream like a nice yeah. scoop off the yep. top oh done change that's your it. life <laughs> okay and that's been shots fired all right so the next section is life um first and foremost what does life mean to you i think i think uh struggle you know not like a bad way in a good way like i think uh i was talking about this with my brother pretty recently i was like i think we just got to do hard stuff all the time you know i don't have anything figured out but for me i think that's the growth and struggle you know life is a journey and we got to just keep doing hard stuff every single day i think when we stop doing that life's over even if Mm -hmm. you might stop doing that when you're you know young and then you're still gonna be alive but you're not living you know um i think it's got i think you gotta do hard stuff you know get out of your comfort zone Exactly what um this this small podcast called Joe Rogan Podcast. They <laughs> he says he talks about that very a lot. Like just being doing something difficult. Like even yeah. his uh he was talking about using a sauna. Yeah, I like, yeah. I, I heard like, him talk about that. I was like the sauna? Like what the fuck? That's the yeah. one thing you go past the gym, you're like, oh there's nothing but naked old men in there. I'm like, yeah. why would I do something like that? But then he started breaking down like heat shock proteins and like how it it like it basically resembles cardiovascular, like working out. And I'm like, okay, let me try this puppy yeah, yeah. out. And actually, even pretty- just, dude, even just like cutting weight, like, yo, people take water for granted, but dude, when you've gone a day, one, just one day, one day mm-hmm. without it, you're like, yeah, I'll never take this for granted again. Like, <laughs> it's amazing. Like, it just reminds you of like how good you have it, you know? A hundred percent. Um, what, what would you say is, what would you say to a 16-year-old you? Oh, man, I just, I, I had a great life, I'm just, but I would say it gets better and easier. You know, like, mm-hmm. this is not, this is so temporary, which I thought when I was 16, but I'd be like, dude, everything you're thinking, you're right. It's going to be, you're so far from your peak. It's going to keep getting better and better as long as you let it. Nice. Um, so uh, my last question in this section, but my weirdest um, have you ever had an interaction with an alien, a ghost, or a spirit? No, but my wife will tell you that her mom's old house had a spirit there that would turn the sinks on and lock doors. The sinks that might have just been, they, they like to have their Friday night drinks when she <laughs> lived there. So there's a good chance it could have been that, but she'll swear up and down. They call her, apparently a lady died in the house, Louise. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I know that she says she's been locked out, but she's also left the oven on 
after being done cooking like seven times in the last two weeks. So their track record, both of them is, I don't know, but Shaky. Gotcha. yeah, <laughs> but I personally have not. I've never, I've never met Louise. Okay. Shout out to Louise. That sounds like a ghost name. Yeah, for real. <laughs> All right. Next part um, is love. So it sounds like you have a loving relationship with your wife, but what is one of your worst breakup stories? Oh, yeah, I didn't date a whole lot, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was Honestly, it sounds stupid, but A, I was really shy. B, super late bloomer, like didn't sprout a muscle until I was like 20. Um, <laughs> you would think all the jiu-jitsu, you know, but I was like skinny mm-hmm. fat. Um, it burns and then I was just super, Yeah, <laughs> and then I was just super focused on jiu-jitsu, but uh, I got broken up with over the phone. I think it was, it wasn't my birthday, but it was like three days after, two days after. Yeah, and the call started with like I don't want like we're not breaking up. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then, uh, and then I got broken up with same girl. Maybe like two years before, text message, bad track record. You got to just go. You got to just go. You know, like yeah. if you're getting hit with the left hook once, the guy has a good left hook. If you're exactly. just getting hit over and over, you got bad defense. You know that. <laughs> I got I dropped the ball on that one, but uh, oof, yeah, rough one. Funny story is it was in. Like, like we, we were doing like the distance thing, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, college and stuff. That's what, that always works. Yeah. So <laughs> this is funny is I went for before that, like maybe like a week or two before, went to D.C. for like a little trip. We went mm-hmm. and like met in the middle or whatever and uh, left there like arguing, getting, you know, whatever. It was didn't go well at the end. And then was like, oh, like I hate Washington, D.C. You know, I have a bad memory of that place. My first UFC fight, they call. They're like, hey, we got this guy, this place. In Washington, D.C. I was like, okay, I'm either going to have a totally newfound love for Washington, D.C., or I'm going to really hate this place when I leave because all the bad stuff has happened here. But it went well. I won the fight. My whole family was there. And then I got to hang out in D.C. with my wife for a few days afterward. I was like, oh, great place. I had a terrible, terrible opinion of this place. You reestablish your love for D.C. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, So... What would you say um, is the keys to a successful marriage? Oh, well, we've only been married just over two years now, but I think we have a great marriage. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) don't see it anytime soon. I hope it doesn't. I have my wedding band tattooed on my finger. I really don't want to cut this finger off, you know? Tattoo is a great idea. (laughs) Yeah. We're in it. Um, No, I just honestly, I think... In anything in life, and I, this is just me, I, I'm 26, so take it for the grain of salt, I guess. But it's just transparency, you know, just being you all the time. Like, if I'm upset, I say it. If I'm sad, I say it. That, that way, you know, if I'm coming home from a bad day at training, I don't say it. My wife might think I'm being passive aggressive to her. You know, like we just, like, and through that, we've been like that since our first date. It's crazy. Like, I literally would have left our first date and went and got married just because I was like, oh, this is it. We were just too, like, oh, Here's everything about me. Oh, cool. Here's everything about me. And then, and that's what my mom was, I mean, my mom was telling me the other day. She's like, she gets you. Like, we always say that when we leave. She gets you. And vice versa. You know, it's just like, there ain't no secrets. There's no nothing. There's no, and I think that's the best thing is just be, I do that with my coach. I do that with everything. I'm just going to be me. Whether it's something people want to hear or not. I'm just gonna be like, hey, I'm mad at this. I feel like this is wrong. I want to train this or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think people respect that. And I think that way, no problems ever lay dormant and then explode you know i think i think that's that's probably our big secret and that and just make fun of each other we make fun of each other a lot and it seems so to fun. be so yeah fun. yeah <laughs> sometimes you got to turn it down a little bit you're like yeah okay like, <laughs> yeah like calm down all right <laughs> uh, for sure but um do you do you think that your kind of martial arts background also helps with kind of um being able to take that kind of mental stress would say to like have a strong relationship because you kind of you're able to burn that negativity or even able to understand like if you're under somebody who's 260 pounds you the worst thing you can do is start struggling you know what i'm saying for sure (laughs) you gotta breathe i think too it's just like people Mm -hmm. lose their identity if you're not doing a podcast or you're not doing jiu-jitsu or you're not Mm -hmm. fighting whatever it is you're golfing whatever it is you know i think people Mm -hmm. lose their identity and then you start to just become like not a regular person, like nothing wrong with being a regular person, but just yeah. being like, I get up, I go to work, I come home, I, nothing gets me excited. I'm a robot. I call them zombies, you know? Yes. They're the people that you drive behind in traffic 
And when you pay, you're like, this person's on their phone or they're drunk and you drive by them and they're paying full attention, but they're going 10 <laughs> below the speed. They're just a zombie. You know, they just yeah. lost their purpose. And, uh, I think that, I think martial arts helpful with that. Cause you're just like, Dude, I, you know, I went to work, I'm done. I'm going to go train tonight. Like, you know, you just have, and you're still staying like, you know, a man or a woman, or you're staying like yeah. the best version of you instead of being, you know, I just, I'm a, I'm a, whatever I do for work. I'm this and that's it. That's terrible. Exactly. You, know? you never want to be. Well, at the end of the day, when somebody says, um, hey, what do you do? You always want to have one answer. He's like, yeah, no, yeah, I do yeah. this. Like, yep. oh, yeah, but, you know, I also. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, so last but not least, one of my favorite um, is laughter. Um, on, in a dark time, what can you think of that immediately makes you smile? Oh, I like. Uh... Fighter and the Kid podcast. Oh. Dude, I listen to that during weight cuts. Like, it doesn't matter when. Like, that's my thing, man. That is like, once Brian Callen Brian starts. Man. Yeah, I like them both, but it's just, Swab. dude. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, that was actually my, quor- before quarantine, they were coming in April. I forget which one. It was either Callen or Shop. I can't remember. I but Shab. I was going to be in, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was going to be in fight camp. And I was like, oh, it's a Thursday night. I'm always at gym on Thursday. Going to get done training, go see their show, and then go to bed and get them trained the next day. Ruined. But, uh. Dude, that's that's the show for me. Like, I can listen to that when I'm mad. It doesn't matter. I, I laugh like a like a hyena at that show. It's funny because he's um, uh, Brian Callen is he goes on a Joe Rogan podcast, a little podcast, but um, <laughs> <laughs> he goes on there. And he I didn't know he was so intellectual. Like, I yeah. see him in a lot of like comedy stuff. He's like very very astute, very like present. Very mm-hmm. like you could tell like he used to be a wild man back in the day, and he just for kind sure. of like <laughs> he's, yeah. he's one of those people like. He was like he was a handsome gentleman. He had his women, and he just recited Nietzsche to them, and just brought them like yeah. <laughs> all, all yep. together. I, yeah, hundred percent. He's yeah. funny, man. I they 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 yeah. That's my favorite. He was also in the Joker. I don't know if you saw him. He was in yeah. the Joker. Yeah, for Joker like movie. thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah. They're making fun of him about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, do do you listen to the Fight Companion episodes? Of the yeah, movie? always. Yeah. 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 Um. So, last question for you. Um, did you watch, watch the last, uh, UFC event? Yeah, I watched all three that week. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So which, what was your top fight that you saw there? I think the obvious one is Gaethje mm-hmm. and Ferguson. <laughs> and then I think outside of that one, cause that's, a, that's a super obvious one was Calvin Cater and Jeremy Stevens. I thought it was going to go that way, but then it started looking like Stevens was kind of pulling ahead. Mm-hmm. And, uh, dude, I am so impressed by Calvin Cater. Not that he has to impress me. He's top ranked guy. But I'm just saying like, just people don't use jabs like that in MMA and long range. You know, he just, his punches are so long and just perfect. Like, I feel like if somebody was starting out learning how to box and you want to show them an MMA guy that can freaking box, it's that guy, man. It's unbelievable. And, uh, I really, really, really enjoyed that fight. You know, the Gaethje and Ferguson one was awesome, but I think that that was the one that not everybody had their eye on was just freaking blew me away. So, um, okay. So I think we're, um, this is the last bit here and I really super enjoyed your energy, your responses. <laughs> You're just awesome. I, I thank you again for doing this podcast. Um, Appreciate you having and, me on, man. Yeah. I had a great time. Yeah. Using your time. Um, so give, tell everybody like how they can follow you, um, any events and your upcoming fights. If you have anything like that you want to promote. Yeah. Let him have it. Appreciate it. Uh, I'm on Instagram at, and at Twitter. I don't really use too much. Just on like fight night or something to mm-hmm. check fight results. But uh, both of those are at Joe Selecki. So just my name, S-O-L-E-C-K-I. Uh, Facebook, I have Joe Selecki MMA. I don't know. I think I can still add people on my personal page. I think I do. I don't know. But uh, I post all the MMA stuff on that page. I'd rather mm-hmm. people go to that page. Unless you want to see a dog, then you can go <laughs> on my page. You know, that's all I post on the, my personal but um, that's pretty much it. Uh, I'm looking to fight in June, uh, maybe July, but I think they were saying May, June. Now we're in June, so or you know we're looking booking for June. Um, things keep popping up and then kind of disappearing out of my grasp, but a fight will come. Um, I'm training. I, I just what I did at the end of April was just enter the camp. So yeah. eight weeks out, twelve weeks out, whatever. If it gets extended, I'll take two three days off and keep going on through camp. You know, if it ends up being sixteen weeks, so be it. But I'd rather be overprepared than underprepared. So um, be at Vegas, be at Fight Island, whatever. I'm training for a fight. It's not our normal routine, but I'm still getting all the sessions in, still getting 
it's been harder in a lot of ways because some of the bodies are bigger. Like I got John Salter beat me up every day and, uh, <laughs> you know, I've been doing a lot more live goes than maybe normal. Cause I'm just trying to overcompensate for not having, um, our normal routine. So I'm just looking forward to fight, man. I'm just looking forward yeah. to fight. I'm going to fight before the end of the summer, watch my daughter be born, spend a couple weeks with her and then fight afterward and fall, you know, and, uh, that's the plan. I'm sticking to it. It's going to change you. <laughs> yeah i'm excited man it's unknown man. territory talk about struggle it's gonna be growth sleep struggle yeah forget about it forget it it's forget over about sleep yeah well, you 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 probably have uh since you, I, I think you're close from what i hear you're close to your family and you it sounds like your your wife has a good background with her family as well mm. that's gonna be your rock yep <laughs> You're rock. Babysitters. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Just like, okay, can I get, like, you just close your eyes, let me get five minutes of sleep. Just, <laughs> just, just That's awesome. It's awesome. Oh, I'm getting, I'm getting the, um, the, the wrapping up sign from, um, <laughs> um so <laughs> I'm going to wrap it up. Um, again, thank you again, man. The last yeah. thing we do on the podcast, everybody says the catchphrase, which is love, peace, and chicken grease. So yeah, I just man. need you to say that and we're out of here. Love, peace, and chicken grease, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks again. This has been another episode of Drew Versus the World. Bye, everybody. Thank you.